0: Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Rahalastapa, recorded remotely from my beautiful attic. This week we're with Kiri Pritchard-McLean, fantastic act, fantastic person. She's been on before as part of All Killer No Filler podcast, but this is just her on her own. She was great. Look, if you enjoy this stuff, there's lots of ways you can get on board. If you want to watch us on Twitch, if you're with Amazon Prime... You can link your accounts and give us £5 a month for free without no cost to yourself. It's crazy. You can become a monthly badger. Go fasterstripe.com slash badges. Get lots of backstage interviews, all sorts of lovely surprises as well in there, plus stand-up shows, plus emails giving you offers and and advance warning of guests, uh, plus entry into a monthly competition where you can win books and DVDs and old scripts. And other bits of tat that are probably worth a little bit of money on eBay, some of them. Um, you can go to go Faster Stripe and just buy, uh, say, the emergency questions books. There's three for £20, all the three different ones. There's the other one. It's over there. I was using it in... Uh... They're £10 each, or three for 20, nearly all different questions. There's 1800 different questions, plus if you buy all three. You can buy copies now, very briefly, of my autobiography, How Not to Grow Up, of the year I turned 40. Uh, And they've all been lovingly drawn with a spunking cock that's different in every episode, in every book. Uh, And uh, and they're also signed by me. Uh, When they're gone, they're gone, my fan friends. There aren't too many of them. Uh, There's also downloads and uh, trump cards. These fantastic, playable Rahulispa Trump cards. All sorts of stuff you can do to help us out. Or you can just listen to the podcast with the adverts and that will provide us with revenue. Or you can just tell your friends about the podcast. Um, If you can't afford to pay, please don't let the people who can pay pay. Let those who cannot pay, let them... Sorry, let those who can pay pay. Let those who cannot pay, not pay. And those who can pay, pay. And those who can pay but don't want to pay, they don't have to pay either. And those who cannot pay but want to pay... They shouldn't pay. Don't pay. Um, just listening. Just telling. Just spreading the word. Uh, if you have any friends who you think would enjoy this podcast, let them know about it. It's a competitive marketplace out there. Um, I hope you're having an okay time in these weird and wonderful times. Let's sit back. I hope this is all helping a little bit. It's helped me through <laughs> the last three months of madness, and I'm on Twitch most evenings twitchtv Herring. You can watch the relister was being recorded live on Wednesday nights at 8pm, and I'm playing snooker and I'm doing. I'm thinking of some other things to get going with as well. So keep an eye on my channel, my fry friends. Now let's sit back, relax, and enjoy. Raha la stop ha with Gary Pritchard McLean, 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 McLean. I mean, it's spelt McLean, but it's pronounced McLean. That's what I think. That's my. That's my take on it. Hello! Welcome, please welcome a man who is wearing his swimming trunk still from yesterday. It's not pleasant. Is Richard Herring. Hello! Welcome to Richard Herring's uh, Lockdown Shagging Tedious podcast. Uh, very funny, very difficult to cope uh, at this stage. <laughs> I've had quite a bad week. Um, but I was hanging around uh, with Professor Neil Ferguson uh, the other day. You know, he's the guy just came round to my house uninvited he's the guy who advised about lockdown saying we should all stay in our houses and then went out or his his married lover came round his married friend came over or he went over to hers to stay but she's on they're on the front pages of all the newspapers and mate she was worth losing a job for that's all i'm saying high five neil ferguson you're very cool yeah he, he calls it realist anyway uh and now he's unemployed. He can do what he likes, uh, but uh, yes, it's been a, it's been a weird. Um, what we're like a hundred thousand days into this. Um, I've been a bit depressed this week, but also very tired, and also having extremely weird dreams. Um, I had a dream the other day where I had my son. He's my second favorite child. I will say that, but I still like him. Uh, for some reason, I had his hand in one of those old massive paper. Slicing machines you had at school, and I was just trying to cut. I was just about to cut cut the tip of his fingers off, and I was telling him to position his fingers a bit more carefully. Luckily, I woke up because I'm very squeamish, and I like him having fingers. And also, the idea of cutting off all his fingers—it's a lot of there's a lot of work and admin to cope with that, which would have been much worse than anything else, having to get him to hospital, get to collect up all the bits of finger, sew them back on again. So I'm glad I woke up from that, but that's pretty horrific. And then I also the, uh, the other night. I had a dream, a really long dream in which I had two threesomes. It was incredible. Like just the dream went on and on, had a threesome with my wife and someone else, and then that ended, and then we got into a threesome with someone else as well. Luckily, unidentifiable uh, generic characters, not anyone we know in real life. I told my wife that I'd had two dreams about threesomes. She didn't seem that impressed with me. But, you know, she was in both the threesomes. And, like, in the dreamscape, I don't have to be faithful to her. She should take that as a massive compliment that she was in both them. Instead, she was annoyed when I had to sleep on the sofa. So um, uh, so it's been a weird, weird dreams. I hope you're all coping okay. Um, I, God knows how long this is going to go on for. The people I'm really feeling sorry for are students who are going to be starting university in September, October, because, you know, you've worked hard. I mean, A, you've got your A-levels to sort out now uh, somehow, and then B, you're going to university and you're going to have to self-isolate and do all your lectures on camera, not, no freshers week, no meeting up with people. And, you know, that's what it's about. You've done all the hard work. You get to university, you get to have some fun. You know, if, I'd, if the first year at my university had been in lockdown, you know, I would have missed out on almost one half of the sex. In the first year and a half, I was at university. That's what I had. I had sex half a time. Uh, and that's not because it finished quickly. It's because I had second thoughts during the loss of my virginity uh, about two months before I turned 20 and politely withdrew um, before anyone had reached any form of ending. It's turning into a very sexy podcast already. You can say, you can tell. Um, uh, the good news for me this week is I found a pack of self-raising flour. It's the first one I found in six weeks it was in the post office in my village It was incredible the, the guys obviously bought a massive bag of self raising flour and he's put made it into little bags and been selling them off at a very reasonable price um I felt like a sort of drug lord bringing that home and also knew how happy everyone would be that's like about four rounds of pancakes I have there's a kilo of kilo of self raising flour very very exciting for me that's that's what my life's become I hope your life is going better than mine um. We, uh I will remind you, uh if you're watching on Twitch, and even if you're not, if you're listening to this in the future, I hope things are a bit brighter for you there. But it seems unlikely, let's face it. Uh, it's probably much worse. I hope nothing has mutated into something much worse. Oh, I've made it happen now by saying it. Uh Please feel free to subscribe to my Twitch channel. You can do it with money, but you can also do it if you're an Amazon Prime member for free. Go to Herring1967 on YouTube, and there's a lovely video explaining how you can do that. Also, if you want to help us out through this difficult period, uh, Go Faster Stripe is some way you should be going. GoFasterStripe.com. You can buy lots of downloads of lots of comedians and help out lots of comedians. And Chris Evans, not that one. Uh, but you can also buy all three of our amazing emergency questions books. They're all displayed upside down for a humorous purpose. Uh, for just £20, you can buy Top Trumps uh, with some of my favourite guests. A workable card game of Top Trumps. GoFasterStripe.com. And you've become a monthly badger. GoFasterStripe.com slash badges. £3 pounds a month, you can pay more if you like. You get a different coloured badge if you pay more. Uh, and you get lots of backstage interviews with all the, the, the theatre uh, guests we've had. Uh, the one with Sir Michael Palin, which is coming up next week as I speak, uh, is absolutely superb. I think it might be better than his actual interview, which is also superb. He improvised an entire scene to life of Brian in the backstage interview. And I think that is worth £3 pounds a month for at least a year just to be get a chance to see that. So... Um, Someone's saying I'm talking quickly on the chat room. I'm just drinking gin and tonic tonight and there's nothing else. I've not been sniffing flour, as you seem to be implying. And we're we apparently up to 500 viewers. That's that's what the chat room's saying. That's very good. So that's almost enough to get going. Um, oh, next week here on the – both on Twitch and on the podcast will be Richard Osman making his maybe fourth appearance uh, very excited about talking to him. I've done another Pointless Celebrities uh, since we last spoke. I don't think it's not gone out yet, so we can't talk really about that with him. But uh, I think he's what the country needs in lockdown. So I hope you will enjoy uh, that. Do tune in at eight o'clock on Wednesdays or any time with the podcast after it comes out. That's how it works. So let's welcome my guest this week. making a second appearance as well. Uh, she's Probably best known for her appearance in the short film Hungover or Pregnant, which I watched today and which is absolutely excellent and lots of fun, even though she said she would never act on the last time I was, she was on. <laughs> uh, will you welcome Kiri Bridge mclean ladies and gentlemen. Here she is. Oh, I put her on instead of both of us. Let's put both of us on. There we go. That was nice. It was like uh, did it. I did it on purpose. Yeah. How are you doing? We're here.
1: I'm good. How are you, Yeah. Love?
0: I'm not. Well, I'm going in. I'm literally going insane. I'm wearing swimming trunks. Uh, I'm drinking uh, gin from an enormous glass that was full of gin and tonic uh, before we started. Is now half empty, uh, and uh, my wife's not talking to me because I've had uh, I've been I'm not even unfaithful. Is it unfaithful to have a threesome with someone if your wife is one of the people in the threesome no, and has agreed to it? I think that's in incredible. a dream.
1: I think that's the fact. Yeah. That she makes the cut of all the people who have yeah. been there. I think exactly. it's a really, really good sign, yeah, and I think it's really nice that I was clearly, obviously the other person, and that's why you've asked me to do a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's why she's not talking to you.
0: <laughs> it could be. It could be. It's. Oh, is it getting hot in here? The oh, um, good job. I'm wearing swimming trunks. Oh no. Uh, so. Uh, Are you really I, wearing I swimming trunks? I'm wearing swimming trunks. Do you want to see?
1: Um, oh, well, you, you you didn't wait for an answer before you got up. Wow. <laughs> so it's your. I've gone mad. Are your genitals hanging in one of those sort of sacks that you put oranges in right now? They're
0: in a little ball bag. Yeah, well, they're sort of nearly in there. I, they are very, they're large. I have, la- I have large testicles as due to my age and uh, uh, virility. Uh, and so they don't they don't quite fit in.
1: Right. Well, large is, you mean long? <laughs> Do you mean they're pendulous? No,
0: they're, well, they're, they get longer as you get older. They've always been, uh, you know, they've always been an encumbrance to me.
1: Wow. And look at you, yeah. brave soldier. You've just pushed yeah. on, you'd never know. <laughs>
0: Hardly anyone knows, you know, what it's like to. People don't think of it. You've got to just readjust them a bit. You know, it's not. It's not that bad. Um, <laughs> this is why we haven't had any women so far on the uh, on the remote podcast because it's just it's straight away it's got it's got just dirty.
1: <laughs> I it's think got, I've, I've d- there for once.
0: <laughs> that is good. So uh, well, the, I, I did enjoy your your. You did say last time you wouldn't didn't, you wouldn't do acting in the the Geens. sketch group because you you felt acting was false and you didn't like stand-up comedians getting into acting but then you you are acting in little bits and pieces do you not think it's acting
1: i've done two things where i've played myself and basically the only time i've ever agreed to it one was for a sky halloween short and one was for that sketch and it's when they say you can't write this unless you're in it and and that's the and I always just okay I'm like okay well I'll be myself because I'm in the sky thing I tried to write myself as a corpse so the whole thing was happening over me because I was like well I can can do that (laughs) but they part of it is they wanted you to be on screen and I just have that thing where you know I think I said it to you before that not every there are better actors than me so if I wrote something I can't do it the best it would be even if it was just to be me there's someone who could do a better job of being me like you know actors are, are good actors are brilliant so yeah. uh, basically if you see me acting in something it means that I have been forced into doing it <laughs> <I'm there laughs> when you
0: were good part. you were very good and it's a very it's a very funny uh, very funny short it was for the BBC was it was it a BBC yeah. one of those BBC
1: you know I had to really fight for it because basically the premise is how I constantly think I'm late for my period especially when I'm hungover. And I go through the whole thing of like, I know uh, what all the local schools to me are on Ofsted because like I just go down this rabbit hole whenever I think I'm, I'm pregnant. And it's it's just because I can't count very well. Um, and so the end, like the, uh, is it a denouement? The end. Denouement, um, yeah. Is that right? Is, is yeah. it, my partner uses that word. And so I've just gone, I think that's what it means. And then just got, <laughs> uh, it only looks impressive if we don't go, is that what that means? <laughs> and so yeah, at the end, basically the, the payoff is, I, you know, I've just put my partner through all this stuff, and then um, I, you see, my knickers are some blood in, and it's just that I have, I have come on. I've just been, you know, hungover, and um, and they had to really fucking fight to have that. They were yes. like, "Oh, it looks like a miscarriage." I'm like, "Not to anyone who's had a period, it doesn't, <laughs> or a miscarriage." And they were like, "It's a bit real." Can't she just take a hot water bottle and some chocolate? I was like, "No," and they wanted it to be this yeah. weird, euphemistic thing, and it was one. Of, it turned out it was one of the. First things to like show period blood, you know. Right, it's always yeah, like yeah. we apparently like leak blue liquid or whatever. And um, but yeah. yeah, I had to read. It was also it was it was a, it, these notes were coming down through a, a female commissioner, and I was like, "Come on, mate i I really thought you'd be sort of fine with this, but having to fight for." For a bloody gusset, mate. was <laughs> you know? Was, was the hill that I was willing to die on, as it turns out.
0: <laughs> oh, good. Well, I'm glad it was. You know, it was quite. It was a bold move. It is a surprise, not now for anyone hasn't seen it. But there we go. Uh, but no. But, but that's what I mean. I saw. I was saying to you before we started. I saw you um, supporting London Hughes. Was the last time I saw you do stand up on your own. And uh, yeah, it's uh, you. Know, it's it's it's. It's, it's. You're bold as a performer. I really, I really like. Uh, you've really got a great style straight away, which I think a lot. And you really know who you are straight off the bat from the way you look and the way you hold yourself, which I think a lot of people, a lot of comics, take a long time to get that. But you've definitely got a a, a definite look and the definite sort of persona that I think really sort of cements you the, the minute the minute you're on you're on stage. It's it's. It was that a deliberate? Mm. Thing to do that, or was that just how you wanted to? Is that just how you dress anyway?
1: Well, the, the definitely what I look like came first because I yeah. remember that you know, when people always go, What kind of comedy do you do? and you just want to be like, it's, you, unless you can say one liners or just stories, it's very hard to like tell people because it's just like, I don't know, I just talk about stuff that happens to me, like it's, yeah. it's not a very satisfying answer. And I just thought, um, since I started doing comedy, I'm like, I've got nothing that stands out about me and I've got no, I'm not, oh, I'm the one who talks about this or does this stuff. And it wasn't quite, I didn't feel quite Welsh enough to say, I'm not like Rod Gilbert way like, oh, well, I'm the Welsh comedian. So I was like, well, no one's going to remember me from my material, which is just about like my boyfriend and dogs or whatever. And uh, so I was like, well, just have, make sure you know what you look like because then they might like remember. And also it was, it was a a weird mix of things because i was like 23 when i started doing stand-up and i before that i'd go out like three nights a week with my girls and they get all dressed up and then i was spending all that money on going to gigs so instead of spending 60 quid on a night out and a taxi home and a takeaway i was spending that to get to newcastle in petrol to do five minutes on stage and so i had all these clothes from like going out and nights out that i wasn't wearing and i was like I, I just want to dress like it's an occasion because I don't fucking go out anymore. And also it was my way of showing like an audience that I like I've made an effort to be here. Like I I am yeah. pleased to be here and I'm pleased that you've got a babysitter and you spent some money. So it's kind of like my way of showing some respect that I've made an effort. And I love anything that's like over the top and I love that it looked a bit shit as well. Like I always wear sequins. That's like my rule is I always yeah. wear sequins when I'm performing. Um and I just love the idea of like drag queens and working men's clubs and it just being sort of a bit grotty, but a bit glamorous. And I, I just think it's, it's a real good mix of like high brow, low brow kind of thing. And, yeah, and like, yeah. that's that yeah. sort of what I've, tried to like emulate so I was like well just wear sequins because then it's easy to decide what to wear you know because you can stress over you can overthink what you wear for a gig so I was like well that's my no. uniform and then I've always had I've had this bit in my hair for a while and then once you've got press shots you've got to fucking keep it up haven't you so,
2: <laughs>
1: so this is in various stages of falling out depending on how much I bleached it myself or if I got a hairdresser to do it <laughs> and so yeah I definitely had what I was going to look like before the rest of it. Yeah, and then- but it's
0: sort of that you're you're owning this. I think you come on and you sort of own the stage, and you're very confident. And it's not just it's not just about the way you look. I just think it's I think for a lot of stand ups, it takes that, and I'm not sure I've even got there. It takes a long time to sort of nail down who you are on stage. And I suppose coming out what you're talking about about that short film is just what I like. You know, as an audience member, what I like. I saw you in an audience of of quite a lot of uh, single thirty year old women, I guess, for seeing London Hughes. Okay. Uh, but even as a fifty-two-year-old man, I mean that, that's why I feel like comedy is like people say, oh well, will people the audience be ready for that? You talk very much about your own personal, you know, experiences, which aren't similar to mine. I, the, the, you did a routine about, I think you did that routine about having sex on the landing, the landing yeah. and catching yourself in the mirror, which is a great routine. But you know, you kind of go, well, that's obviously true because <laughs> you wouldn't come up with that. But also, it's you know, it was it was a sort of observation that I, you know I wouldn't have thought about, and there was lots of things you know that that weren't. My experience in that, but you enjoy seeing that in comedy. Whereas I think a lot of comedy commissioners feel people will only want to hear stuff that they will absolutely relate to. Whereas actually, I I love seeing people who are doing stuff that I don't relate to, as long as you as long as you believe it's true. You know what I mean? Totally.
1: And I think weirdly, there's like obviously that uh, like there's it's it's universal themes, isn't it? It can be different Mm. scenarios, but like everyone's had that that story is basically about how i catch myself having sex in a, in a mirror on the landing but everyone has had the essence of that is you think something incredibly sexy is happening and then you see it for what it is and you're like that is fucking disgusting <laughs> like i am foul <laughs> you know like when you're like you buy like a like a sexy negligee and you put it on and you're like I look like ham that's been wrapped up in something and plonked on a counter. But I, So I think there's like universal themes of when we've all tried to be like sexy or suave and it, it's just filtering it through the, the story. And yeah. and yeah, it doesn't, obviously you don't have to directly to relate to it to know what that stuff is.
0: But it was a great gig. It was great to see London, who's been a guest on this before as well, uh, doing so brilliantly. And uh, But, uh, but it's, that's a difficult thing, even as a, a well-established comedian to come on as that, uh, so as the sort of support act, the first act on, on that kind of bill, it can be quite a difficult gig. But yeah. you did sort of own it straight away. Oh, was, that's nice.
1: Well, London is really um, – London's great and is the kind of person who she wouldn't do that weird thing of like, oh, I w-, she was like, I I want a support act who I feel like, oh, fuck, I don't know if I can follow them. Like, you know, she's yeah. like, I want it to be a great show. And because yeah. also they're here for her anyway, like ultimately she's going to have the gig that she deserves. So I was like so pleased when when she asked me to do it. And it was such a fun, her audience is so fun and up for it. But it is that thing about, I've done loads of tour support over the years mm-hmm. for various people. And I call it comedy cock blocking because you basically usually sort of like shuffle on and you're like, hello, I'm something you didn't pay for and don't want. <laughs> it's not like three yeah. a where everyone's like, we're well, pleased to see you. It's like, what the <laughs> fuck is this? And yeah. you're having to win them over. But like, that is such good training as a comedian to go on to. And some audiences, um, like it clicks and you're like, oh, brilliant. And some audiences, you've got 20 minutes of convincing them yeah. that you're worth their time. And then you've got to fuck off again um. But yeah, and and I look. I was I was just started touring a couple of years ago, and actually picking tour supports is one of my favourite things to do. Like right, Um yeah, to to because I basically do like I pick try and pick newer acts who um I basically think when did it help me most, and it was like when I needed the money and I needed the nice gigs. So I just go yeah. you can do anywhere between. Ten and thirty. Like, if you're having fun, do as long as you want. Like, if you're having a shit time, just bail. Like, that's no good for anyone. And I always come and do a bit before them. And I always say, like, I can't wait to show you this comedian. Like, my friend is so funny, and I think you're gonna love them. So it's always uh, like acts I think uh, that my audience would like as well, or should be seeing. And then hopefully we'll go and see them on tour again. But deciding who that is is like really fun to.
0: Yeah, I've never had a support act in any of any of my tours.
1: Why is
0: that? Because I'm too mean. Well, no, I think I'm always too mean to pay him. I think it's because I'm. Oh, I've always got like a show that's two halves. Yeah. I've always got. I've always got like a ninety-minute show, so I don't need anybody. And I kind of think, yeah, I don't know. Well, like to begin with, I didn't have enough. I wasn't making enough money to be able to pay anyone to come and do that. I suppose so. If you can get the support act to do the driving and everything, I suppose they, they can become. Like you could just about afford them, but I wouldn't. I was, you know, I was playing to such small audiences that I didn't think it was worth it anyway. But but all oh, I always had too much. I'm like Christ on a Bike was a was my first sort of solo tour show, and that was much. Different. When we did Lee and Herring, we would have some like Peter Bainham or uh, Kevin Eldon who were in the show, though you know. So they they would do a bit, but they would also take part in some of the sketches and stuff. So it was a bit different. But uh, yeah, it was. It's a very. It's nice to have someone, I guess. Isn't it? As long as you like them, you have got to choose someone that you. Yeah, are going to get on with especially if it's a long tour. If it's just is it always the same person on the whole tour? Or do you mix no, it I up try on tour? And,
1: I try and do it so by geography, it's mm. not costing them to get to the gig. Okay. And so on the yeah. latest tour, I think there was like six acts that I basically sent a load of dates to them. Like, what works for you, um, and and sort of fitted it in around them and tried to get everyone sort of an even mix of gigs. But I, it's not even. Because I drive myself, and yeah. sometimes I'll pick them up if they're coming from the same place and take them. But it's not even like they're all great, but they're not like my inner circle of mates. Like the easy thing no. would be to book like Pete Otway or Will Duggan, who are like some of my like oldest friends in comedy, and have them do it. But that's not the right thing to do. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. they they're, no. they're boys who can tour themselves. Like it 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 has for me. It has to be someone. has to be me like however many years ago when I would have been like fucking yes and I could I don't think I could really afford it when I was having people doing it (laughs) but and it's always the biggest (laughs) expense of the tour because I never really stay over anywhere um but it just feels like put it I I try and put money back in where I can do you know what I mean yeah like I, I have benefited from coming up through the circuit Um, I guess I'm just one of the good guys rich
0: I suppose you are, and I'm just sort of the selfish guy. <laughs> I think when you when I think when you're starting out, you know, the the experience is not about the money. And luckily, because you're not going to get any money when you start out touring, unless you've got if you've got on TV and you can sell a thousand tickets everywhere you go, then that's fine. But if you're starting out and you're selling twenty five, thirty tickets, fifty tickets, yeah, then it's about the experience of of touring and getting a show together and all that sort of stuff.
2: Yeah, don't
0: uh, which I presume has been you were on tour and working up to Edinburgh this year before the. The plague oh, hit us, yeah. so that's so you had it. You've got a show.
1: I game the system. It... Do you know what I did this yeah. year? So, um, <laughs> in two thousand and what were we? Eighteen. I did my show, Victim Complex, and then two thousand and nineteen, I went and did two weeks at the Monkey Barrel of a Working Progress, and then I, I did some extra shows. And I did. Uh, I got a new sketch group Tarot. We did some stuff up there. So they did a month up there, and I was like, right, I'm going to work out in front of the audiences it's meant for. And then I was like, I fucking, I've completed comedy. <laughs> and then I was like, and I'm going <laughs> to tour in the spring, which is what I just started doing. And then I'm going to, the show's going to be, when it gets to Edinburgh, it's like the best it's yeah. ever going to be. And then if the tour was selling well in spring, which it was, it, it extend into an autumn leg. And I was like, this is it. This is the system. And so I do <laughs> one year on, one year off. And then the fucking world ended. And now I don't know if the system works. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's a no, I mean, it's, you know, I, I haven't been putting the show together for a few years. so I, I was just going to go up and do uh, podcast stuff. So it's not in those terms, it's not a disaster for me, although I did pre book all my uh, prepay all my accommodation, which I've had some, for me and my mother in law, who's going to help us with the child
2: money. Oh, We've had some
0: of it back. But uh, the other, the, uh, the the land the the letting agency has got no money. So I'm not sure we'll get our money back for them. They agree we should get it back, but it does. I think less more annoying than the money would be having worked up a show. I I think for me, I wouldn't be at the point where I have a show yet. So I would have just gone, okay, (laughs) 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 I I don't don't have to bother writing it. But I, I know most people now do work like way in advance. So you must a lot of people have been have done four or five months on a show, even if they hadn't done it into 2019. And then just get to the point where it was just a, a hit a brick wall and they can't do it anymore. And if we're not going to come back for a year, then it's sort of almost wasted time, isn't it?
1: Yeah. And it, it feels like I'm enganaring over whether I even whether it ever goes to the fringe, that show. Right. I don't know if it ever will. I, yeah. It, you know, because when you're doing shows, you feel differently about them, don't you? And yeah. like... I don't know if I'll stop feeling like this is the actually what I want to say about the world, especially after all this. Like I keep looking yeah. at the notepad with all in and be like, because it was all about sort of empathy and like you know and, and living online and all that kind of fucking stuff. So I'm like, well, this will need a hefty old rewrite. Won't it? <laughs> there's no point doing it yet because we don't actually know when it, like we'll be able to go and do gigs again. So no. I've just got to let and it...
0: And all of next year's Edinburgh is just going to be uh, COVID nineteen yeah. shows. Yeah. Whoever's got closest to dying will win the will win the comedy awards. <laughs>
2: Uh, that's whoever's died
0: know. won't you know won't, won't, yeah you've got to get just to the point you've got to boris johnson it and guess just, just get a lot of oxygen and survive and then you know anything for a comedian is is a good experience um and how are you coping with uh with lockdown
1: um oh, i'm doing okay um i'm in wales yeah. like i'm on anglesey and um where we are is like oh, basically it's a farm so it's uh it's there's loads of space we don't really see other people um, I'm here with my brother and my partner which is great and we're getting on really well it's got it's got a lovely went foraging for wild garlic today to make wild garlic pesto <laughs> um, yes I'm one of those cunts
2: um, but I'm actually having
1: a really nice time because I'm um a really quite chronic uh, workaholic um, and it's like to the point where my partner had to sit me down about six months ago and go uh, you have no days off for ten weeks. Like this is not tenable. Like you can't work yourself like this. So we put a place in place of thing that was. I have to take two consecutive days off a month. That's my rule. Yeah, um, <laughs> and and then all this happened. And I've been. Yeah. Oh, I've still been working. I've still been doing stuff, but not anywhere near to the extent that I used to work. And I've always. I guess I had a fear of stopping working. And it's actually been really nice to learn that. I was going to say the world doesn't end if I stop working, but maybe that's why it's like this.
0: <laughs> Get back out there! You can cure this. You can cure it through comedy.
1: <laughs> I guess laughter's the cure. <laughs> I guess playing to sort of moderate audiences is the cure. Um, yeah, I uh, th- for me personally, that um, I that not working constantly is okay has been a really useful thing, and also I really like time off, and I you know I like. Just reading on a blanket in the sunshine—it's been really nice. But I'm also so aware that so many people are living in absolute fucking, um, just a, a horrific circumstances based on their work or their home situation that you can't like uh, be too smug about it. And going, actually, guys, I'm in no hurry to go back. And so I, I do appreciate that we're very, very lucky. Yeah.
0: And are you, are you having any of these st- stressed... I think a lot of people are having very weird dreams at the moment, I've been saying. Have you, have you had any weird dreams? Has that been hitting you?
1: Well, I yeah. don't remember my dreams. Um, what? <laughs> yeah, so I, I've been... In fact, one of the things I'm doing at the moment is I think I'm filming like a little taster for a woman who interprets dreams and I have to be like, nice. oh, I don't have any. <laughs> I remember about four <laughs> dreams a year. And, uh, and she's taught me actually how to remember your dreams. So I'm going to try and do it this week. And I do have a reoccurring one that I remember w- basically is, um, I wake up doing this I'm so- Oh, so yeah. i there's a podcast. So basically one hand is scratching the forearm of the other hand and vice versa. Yeah. And, um, I, my partner will like stop me doing it. It'll wake him up. And the one time I remembered what was going on is there were insects under my skin and I was trying to scratch them out. Oh. So I think the reason why I don't remember any of my dreams is because they're fucking horrific. <laughs> <laughs> the only other ones I remembered have been ones where I've, woke, I've woken up sobbing because I've watched a family member get murdered. I think it's the true crime podcast. It's all in there.
0: <laughs> it, that might be it. That might be it. But well, it's, yeah, the one where I was trying to hurt, well, t- 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 casually sort of about to, uh, inflict violence on my son was very upsetting i can't visualize anything in my brain i've discovered this year i've talked about this every podcast so far but i can't visualize objects in my brain when i'm dreaming i can see stuff in i have images then I, I i assume uh i'm not just putting words together but if i try and visualize an object i can't do it can you do that if you if you close your eyes and use your mind's eye to see an apple do you see an apple or do you just yeah. sort of yeah so i don't but see you anything. the word apple well I just have the concept of Apple, but I don't see anything, and like if I, I can very occasionally get like almost a flash of like someone's face or something, but it's almost like it's behind my mind's eye's eye, so it's not even really so I can sort of imagine my kids' faces uh, but uh, I really I can't see things I didn't realize this was a thing till this year, uh, and I just assumed I could see objects in my brain and i can't I can't visualize anything in my brain.
1: So it's that must be you must that's a diagnosis of some kind right
0: well, yeah there is it's called something like a sphraxia or something like that i can't remember what it's called someone will tell me uh, but um is that why you're
1: so good with words because i was because so, i your show was the first i might have told you this before but your um, there's the first ever hour of stand up i saw so i um i was a student it must have been in about 2007 or 8 Mm -hmm. Um and uh, it was headmaster's son,
2: right? And it was at
1: the Frog and Bucket in Manchester. And basically, Salford University were like, "Oh, we're going to have a comedy society." And there was four of us, and uh, (laughs) the social was to go and see you. And because there were student tickets. And on standing, so it was only three quid, which like, wow. like, oh, amazing! It's really good, isn't it? Because I think standing right. tickets were like six quid, and then the concession on that was three quid, and I was like, I'll, I'll go and see any old comp for that. And I did. Go and see <laughs> it
2: again. Yeah, you did.
1: I was like, I, co- I, could not. I, I wore uncomfortable shoes. That's one of my memories. Yeah. But that show, I, I'd never seen anything. I'd never seen an Edinburgh show before, and it was such a brilliant show. And I, I was just like, you know, when you're looking around and you're like. Guys, are you seeing? It was was amazing. I'm like, (laughs) he's just, and he's so, it's funny and it's a stuff, like, but it's not theatre, it's not dog shit. I couldn't I could not believe it. It was such a big moment for me to see a show like that. It was so so brilliant. Oh, that was very nice. Yeah, it was great. And then I saw the other ones. I thought they were shit. No, no, they were great yeah, as well. That's true. I um, I think I saw <laughs> Hitler moustache as well. Was that the yeah. one after? Right. Yeah. And
0: um, Yeah, so yeah, more or less. Yeah. So yeah, even though I do put see back I, I, I sort of that show I think I did sort of write. I don't know whether that's why I'm good at words. I sort of feel like I you know, it doesn't feel like uh, disability to not be able to see things i'm just i think the, i think the only thing it really inflicts on me is that i can't do uh iq puzzles where you've got to turn objects around because i think you do that in your head oh, right. you know when you make a cube out yeah, of a bit of flat thing, like two yeah i can't do i can't do stuff like that and i'm not great at navigating and um which does sort of start to explain why that might be <laughs> so I, the sat navs are great so i can see things so you know as long as the thing is in front of me i can see it so that's fine oh,
1: um, I'm sorry. I but, so it's not why... as bad as it could Sorry to interrupt. Go on, I remember yeah, why I brought up your shows, not to review oh, yeah. that, sort of just like wank you off on this. But was um, the it was in uh, Christ on a bike where you did the Begats, beget Oh yeah, yeah. And I was like, the way you were doing it, I was like, he must be seeing it written in his head because it was so like I couldn't understand how you could possibly remember it, and and yeah. how you remember all your shows, is so much show.
0: Uh, yeah, just I think I just I don't know really. I don't, how do I do that one? I do. It is with the words. I mean, it is words though. So there is there are with that begat one. It isn't that seeing the visuals of some biblical characters wouldn't really help. So it is just it's just making up links between the words and then just learning it. But I find you know once some things in when I came back and did all those shows uh, in 2017 or whatever it was 2016 maybe I did all nine ten shows uh, over. It's twelve shows. It twelve shows over six weekends, so I had to relearn all of them. But most of them came back sort of quite easily. And lo- once you've got like a routine into, because at the beginning of that Headmaster son is that very verbose, me looking back at me burping at the Ascension Day service, oh, but yeah. it's quite a <laughs> you know a sort of mock heroic thing. But yeah, I wrote that down and then learned it, and I learned it quite quickly. My 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 memory not as good as it was now, though I do still remember all that Christ in the bike thing. So a lot, it, I find it much more difficult to learn lines and things now than I used to, but I used to have a, a fairly quick retention. But yeah, I don't know. I used to, I used to, I, did, I read a memory book when I was a kid where you uh, taught you how to learn lists of things. And I don't I, maybe I use a version of that where you're. Li- you basically just have to create a visual link between the two the two talk, things you're talking about a, but I can't visualize things so but it must be me but I didn't know I can visualize things so if it was an apple to a pear I would just I would have that in my I'd have half an apple half a pear in my head but it would be just the words I guess I don't know it's just like it's not there's nothing there but I can still like I close my eyes I'm imagining half an apple half a pear what is it nothing but I, I know what it is I can't see it but I know what it is
2: wow that's fascinating um,
0: so yeah so then you, but then it is just and sometimes you i'd go wrong with that i don't the second time i did christ on bike or maybe when I, I i did a best of show and i don't think i ever messed it up but usually on the christ on the bike tours i would i would lose my place every now and again especially going backwards um Because it is quite hard, it's quite a hard thing to do. You've got to concentrate, I guess. And then if you concentrate too hard, you fuck it up because you're thinking, you've got to concentrate and not think about it (laughs) at the same time. And then you'll find the minute you start thinking, oh, but what if I don't know what the next one is? Then you'll be in trouble. (laughs) Yeah, it's weird, but not, I'd rather not – I would be disappointed if I didn't remember – I don't remember all my dreams, but I'd be disappointed if I didn't remember the dreams, especially the ones with threesomes in it. Those were great. <laughs> they go on for ages. Usually your brain will trick you and go, right, bad luck, you've messed up there. I think it did in the end. I'll tell you what happened at the end of that dream. The second girl was in a threesome with – it was it – was it was sort of turned into – We sort of ne- something had nearly happened and me, something that had happened, and then we were doing a Rahalastapur and I was interviewing Boyd Hilton from Heat magazine. Yeah. And uh one of the girls from Girls Aloud. And I was really nervous because I didn't know anything about either of them and I hadn't researched them. And I was also worried about the fact there was loads of people in a room and we weren't self-isolating. <laughs> and then this girl was there as well. And then Russell Brand turned up and she and Russell Brand and she really fancied Russell Brand and went off with Russell Brand that's what happened in the dream so that it did go wrong in the end she made a bad error i have to say <laughs> me and my wife would have me and my wife would have treated her much nicer <laughs> we'd have probably just got embarrassed and said uh, let's just have a, a drink and, uh, watch, watch community <laughs> that's that's probably what we'd have done um Good. So, but you're doing. You are doing a lot of online stuff uh, to get you through the uh, through this weird period. So you've been doing. Have you been doing stand up in the, this? This is the COVID arms. Yeah. Gigs, which you're doing <laughs> for charity. Am I right? If that's for, it's for the Trussell Trust. Yeah.
1: So uh, what we do with it? The first one we did, we just did it for the Trussell Trust, and then it went so well. We were like, well, we could we could kind of do this weekly, and okay. um, Jake and Jess, whose idea it was, I set it up with, I. I said to them, and luckily they were on the same page, I was like, I don't want to ask people to work for free when their whole livelihood has been taken away. So the idea is that we basically split the money to the Trussell Trust and the comedians and then they can decide the comedians can decide and most of them do to donate their fee over. But there's also absolutely no shame if they need that money. They have they're being paid for a job that they did. Um and some of the comedians are like, oh, split it between the acts who need it as well. So there's there's kind of a few ways it works. But but I would say 80% of the money goes to the Trussell Trust Weave. And between that and the quiz that we did, we've raised about 100 grand so far. Wow, and fantastic. Brilliant. Yeah, it's great. And it also means that we can give... Because um, like I say, I came up through the circuit and I know all these brilliant people, that people who love comedy, but they might only watch it on telly or acts who are established enough to tour. They won't know about these absolute gems that we've got. And so it's a great way of going, I know you've come here to see Russell Howard or whatever, but you've, you've got to see this person. Um So that's been a really nice thing because everyone's like, oh my God, these comedians are amazing. You're like, yeah, because they're as match fit as they're ever going to be. And, you know, because they're normally gigging like six days a week and, yeah, they're just brilliant. They're just not on television. And it's not – not being on television is not a sign of not being brilliant. Um, And because that's who I feel most for is the acts who are solely relying on the circuit. It's a bit different if you have – Things like you have going on. I know you generate so much of your own work, and or you, you know, people pop up on TV or radio or all of those things. Um, But loads of people they live hand to mouth on the circuit anyway. People are so slow to pay people, you know. You do the job on the night, and then it's 28 days back to follow that you then have to chase for three weeks. These weren't people who had a safety blanket anyway, and now it's just been whipped away. The government aren't doing anything till June, so like it just felt like the least I could do. And then also doing it, I realized how important it is to me uh, as a human to do something with an audience, like how much. I'm just shows sure how deeply flawed I am, really. That I need an audience <laughs> at least once a week. It's a, it's horrific. And
0: the Pete, are you just doing? Are you just doing your stand up sets? and people just no. sitting down on camera, or are they no. standing up and trying to look like they're in a club, or are they?
1: Well, a bit of both. It's a hard yeah. thing because I put on my Facebook page the other day. I was like, "What do we? What do we do with this club? Like, it's great that you support. We can't keep going forever. I imagine it'll peter out, and I don't want to get to the point where we're raising like no money for the comedians or the charity." Um, and so oh, people were sort of chipping in and someone was like, oh, you should put a, a new person on. And I was like, oh, I've thought about that. But what you're then doing is putting on a very inexperienced act into a very unusual way of performing. And um, because I think it takes a real like some people nail it straight away and some people need to settle themselves down and talk their way into it. And but it, it's some people have just stood up and done their set. And it's like it's it's a bit like doing radio. Like, you you know, you do it down to one person and it and it works but it's amazing what brilliant amazing comedians get in their head about just doing it on a webcam um Doing uh, yeah. on the webcam, not doing a Joel Domit I mean like doing the stand up to a webcam so sure. <laughs> so I host it and because we do it on Zoom people pay a bit more for a front row ticket which means I just go right let's have a chat to someone and they can raise their hands and it's like Noel's house party and we go into their house it's so good <laughs> um, and we well, also set good, in competitions then. every week it's great right because we're really lucky and um, Beaver Town Beer uh, like literally last week when we did the quiz they're really great and they really like the Trusseltron and they were like, we can give you some beer to give away. So it means that we can chat to people and give beer away and we do these mad competitions because we're basically trying to make a bit of a community and it's worked beautifully and everyone's so nice and supportive and all the acts shit themselves and then they come off and they see all these amazing comments on Instagram and Twitter and you're like, oh, and it's you get that validation back. It's so lovely yeah. and we have music to start with then we have the first act. Then we have a little break. Normally, so we have a wee because I've drunk too much. Um, and then we have two more acts. And, and that's it. And I just... I just, I usually do a bit of material before I bring on the first comedian. Um, but it is just like literally a bit, a couple of minutes long. The rest of it is all just crowd work. It's comparing, basically.
0: Remember? Sure. That sounds great. So where do people see that if they want to tune in and when's when's the next one?
1: Um, comedy at the covid.co.uk. All the information's there. The next one is Saturday and it's... Who have we got on? Oh, we got... We got um let me say his name right, Irvin Sparks, who is from the Hoosiers, who's like, I've been watching the gig, can I come and do music at it? I'm like, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and uh, we've got Russell Kane, Angela Barnes and Deliso Shaponda. So it's oh, a, brand, yeah, amazing. Yeah, it's a really brilliant. good film.
0: I, I mean it's sort of interesting because I do, you know, I'm I worry um as much about the comedians, which I am worried about, and we've been trying to raise some money to to help comedians through this. But it's the clubs as well. So, like, whether they'll be even if there are no clubs when we come back. But I wonder whether there's a sort of way forward for comedy clubs. You know, a comedy clubs can do the same as you and and maybe charge people. Like, if it's a couple of two or three quid, if you get the whole, if you can get an audience around the world of a thousand or so people, then you then you can make that work as a evening.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, but then also when they come back, maybe that they should be live streaming gigs all around the world as well because it is much better to see live comedy live but i don't think we're going to be able to do it effectively for a year i would say you know certainly i mean three months is, is the best possible and i think we're looking more like seven or eight more months i think before we year back and then if and then whether people will turn up to to see live gigs i don't know so i think like online it, you know, it might push it might be a positive thing in terms of pushing promoters into understanding how much They, the internet can be a positive thing, and also comedians as well to understand that they can, you know, get a following and possibly online.
1: I, I, it's been a really interesting thing to see. And this isn't like, um, it's uh, I think it, well, I'd like the headline to be it's complicated because I'm not telling anyone how to manage a global pandemic in terms of their workload and their health, but it's been really interesting to see how different people and organizations have dealt with it. So like the comedy store were like, right, well, we've got all these shows filmed. Let's just ask the acts. Let's put it out. People can buy a ticket to a show and they get a live comedy experience. And like they've been pretty quick and responsive with that stuff, which is, is amazing. And, and it was, I think, slowly, obviously Hot Water Comedy Club with their videos have sort of really led the way with that slowly the the iceberg was moving with them uh, of you know comedy clubs are like well we've done it one way um and sort of harnessing the power of the internet and much bigger audiences and i think now it's necessity so it will be a sort of diversify or die situation in fact when a, when we did um the covert arms um hosted uh like a world record pub virtual th- thing i I, not the official title of it but we got a world record hosting a pub quiz and one of the things is it supported net um so you know they're, they're like a big group of charities and they basically go right who needs money in this area and it goes locally it goes to much smaller charities and the other side of things is people would pledge a virtual pint to their comedy club or pub which is a way of going we can't be there now but like, we understand that you still have rates and outgoings and things like sure. that is So I, I think that we probably need to look at a way of being responsible to venues who've been good to us and what we can do. as Yeah, comedians. no, definitely. But, yeah.
0: Well, there's no, you know, that's what I think. Like, if we can get comedians through however long it is, great. But if they come back and there's no gigs. I mean, like I was saying to you before, and it's going to be weird. If you've got a touring show and it keeps on getting pushed back. But so's everyone's, and then you know, how are we going to fit all the shows? Yeah, that, from this eight-month, ten-month period, whatever it is, into into the when whenever we start. So it's going to be. I mean, hopefully it'll be a boom time, but I don't. I think the boom time probably won't come until maybe the end of next year. You know, I think when when hopefully everything will, will be be more sorted. But yeah, it's. It, I think it's it's that thing of trying to find inventive ways to get through it, uh, and it's it depends on I guess. I mean, you and I have both been doing stuff online for several years, anyway. So you know, we had we had a sort of head start with that. Um, but it's, it, I guess, it's sort of being able to see those possibilities, which not you know isn't something that everyone is interested in, I suppose. Yeah, but,
1: but I've been really sort of so like Mick Ferry, who we both know, fucking brilliant comedian, like one yeah. of the best live comics we have, I, I, and won that comedians comedian live act, and is always nominated in the Chortle Best Club Comedian category, and usually compare as well, and. Um, He's someone who, I hope you wouldn't mind me saying, I would have thought, fuck, it's gonna hit Mick hard, because he doesn't really populate stuff online. And yeah. quite the opposite, he side filming sketches, he's done a two minute podcast that he records with people, he's got loads of stuff going out, and you're like, Well, that's how you do it. You go, right, okay, it's a different world, I've got to adapt to it. And that's that's you know, that's someone who's been on the circuit for years and years and years. And, and you think, well, if Mick can do it and get his head around this, then there's there's, you know like if you're a younger comic who's already like speaks the language of the internet and subscribes to podcasts and speaks the language of that, then, you know, there's, there's no reason why you can't sort of like harness it and hopefully use it to build a bigger audience. Cause one of the things that's come out of the COVID arms is I was like, right. Well, I always get, you know, I'm aware of people who like what I do, but for various reasons can't attend live events. And that might be childcare or it might be social anxiety disorder or, or mobility or whatever why the fuck have I not been doing a show for them this whole time? And also like internationally, people are like, when are you coming to Australia? And it's like, I'm not entitled until someone who's got fucking loads of money. A festival takes a chance on me. That's not happening, but I can still do a show (laughs) that you can, you can see. And because what we do with the COVID arms is it goes out live and then you can watch it for 48 hours later. So um, obviously, I can't interact with you if you're watching it later, but it means we're not missing out key workers and things like that. And um, and so something like that to me, like a a virtual tour date, is definitely something I'm going to look at doing.
2: Yeah, well,
0: you know, but it's good because even if you're doing something in a location, <laughs> you know, there's people who, who even in the UK who, if you you do a UK tour, can't get to get to your show. Yeah. Just geographically, you know, you can't cover the whole of the country, but you've got the world. You know, exactly. as you Say you've got. It, there's people who watch in America who watch me clear stones at eight o'clock in the morning in the UK. I think it's like two o'clock in the morning where they are, and they're watching a man <laughs> in Hertfordshire, along with like hundred and fifty other people uh clearing stones. So, you know, there's there's an audience for anything out there. And once you've got worldwide, once you go to six billion people, you, you can get a very small percentage of them <laughs> to watch you and and to maybe donate something, then that's great. But it is it is also terrific, I think, when uh, you know, people obviously like you're saying, people that there's people who need entertainment who also aren't making any money at the moment so i think it's you know it's it's great that uh, a lot of the stuff is uh, viewable for free and uh, the, the podcasts are always free obviously as well mm-hmm. um let's uh, talk about something jolly i'll ask you some emergency questions what have i got for you um i'm gonna ask you um some of the new i'll ask you, this comes from a picture my daughter drew last week which we discussed last week uh, would you rather fall into a pool of lava or be eaten by a crocodile
1: oh that's a good one yeah, that's
0: my five-year-old daughter's emergency question accidentally.
1: I was obsessed with monsters when I was a kid, and there was a, yeah. a, a monster in Japanese folklore, I think. That's probably really racist, and I've said the wrong country. I think it was called a Tengu, T-E-N-G-U, and he used to grab you by the shoulders and drop you into a volcano, and I used to obsessively, right. compulsively think about how that would be the worst thing in the fucking world. Um, so, But then I was obsessed with crocodiles and really scared. This is genuinely a very hard question for me. It is.
0: Yeah. But I think being eaten... Well, see, they're, they're not they're, they're neither of them a nice way to die um she drew a picture of me falling into some lava because i would annoyed her uh and then she said hold on a minute and then she drew a crocodile in the lava that was going to catch me <laughs> but and eat me so i don't know i think like in that situation if the crocodile's in the lava you'll probably end up being chewed up and then burnt to death as well yeah so you'll still be alive to feel the being burnt up as the crocodile burns up but if not being eaten by a crocodile is probably worse than I think it, it is. The, the larva is the larva is a rapid death, I think, isn't it?
1: Well, who who can verify that? <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean my instinct is yes that you hit you hit and it's done. It's like yeah. but
0: well, it's head first into a crocodile, you're gonna feel some teeth.
1: Yeah. Oh, but it, There's
0: gonna be a bit of flailing limbs.
1: Well if they if they if they get right on the spine, done. I'm like I can't feel anything.
0: Yeah, true. Okay, well, hopefully that will happen to you if, if this <laughs> situation <you> so <laughs> ever occurs. Um, if you could have, uh, this is my. I think I don't think you were. I was doing this one when you were last on. If you could have, uh, if all the art galleries and museums in the world got together and decided they were going to allow you to take any one item, which could be an artwork, could be a historical artifact, could be anything in any museum or art gallery, is there one thing you would like to take home and keep? They've all. They, you're not stealing it. They've all agreed you can have it. Well, and it could be any anything in the world.
1: Chances are they stole it in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Um, what have I seen that I really like? Oh, that's such a good question, isn't it? It
0: is a good question. I Thank think it would be a, an artefact
1: over a picture or anything like that, because everyone would assume it was a fake right. anyway because the amount of dog hair in my house. Um, artifact, what would happen? Oh, well, it's, this feels really hack, but the um, t- uh, Tutankhamun's uh, oh. sarcophagus... Yeah, that would be nice, right?
0: It would be amazing. I, I went to see that there's a Tutankhamen exhibition in uh London at the moment in the Sarcher Gallery. Um So I went to see that. It didn't have that actual that main bit that you all know that you're talking about the yeah, big yeah. blue and gold thing. They obviously had pictures of that, but there was some amazing stuff in there. Like there's a pair of gloves that have survived. The thing I would like is there was like a basically a pencil case. It was basically his pencil case uh but it with some kind of old you know old oldy world writing implement in it. there was just some really bizarre but really amazingly preserved items that they found in his tomb
1: wow. it's it's
0: well worth going to see if it will
2: still be there when they get back he, i
0: presume that it was very crowded i would like to go now cuz they wouldn't be allowed they wouldn't allow hardly anyone in there if it's still going it was much too crowded so you couldn't really enjoy it um, and then you, there's also like this virtual reality thing where you sit in a chair and then you swoop down into the into the tomb and get to look around the tomb like that, which was pretty good as well.
2: Wow, Th-
1: that, that, is that cost
0: great. extra. Uh, but yeah, good choice. Tutankhamun's. Uh, that I'd put a I'd, bit of glass I'd, over of and make stuff. it.
1: Lo- a lovely coffee table. Imagine that.
0: Yeah, there was some. There was like some big statues that were there. There was some just amazing stuff because you don't see any of the you know. And I'm quite into history. I'm not. I don't know a lot about Egypt. But I have not seen all that. No, I was just so surprised about all the stuff that was in there. But there were these massive black statues of guards that were standing outside. I think the tomb outside the actual, you know, the bit where he was in- incarcerated. Because obviously, we wouldn't. You uh, were inside the tomb, but they were pretty impressive as well. Something like that that you could go. It'd be a bit like, oh, do you, do you know what? This is from Tutankhamun's Toon- tomb. If, if you've got the main thing, you go, yeah, we know what it is.
1: Okay, yeah, it's a bit. You've, on been, the wearing, nose, you've, been,
0: it? you've been wearing that round, and then you could go, oh, do you not know what this is? Oh, this is one of the guards from. Uh, of Anubis or something I
1: think outside. it is Anubis but the, the, the yeah. New, yeah that would yeah. look lovely in the garden wouldn't it
0: it would it would but it's an it's, a, it's an it's an amazing exhibition uh a terrible curse everyone involved uh in that in that uh, do
1: you believe in, in the curse no okay <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> they're all dead now though aren't they so <laughs> yeah, you know and Carmen's dead as well
1: if that isn't proof
0: he had a terrible time um Right, let's see what else I've got for you. I want to talk about Anglesey. I don't know if I talked to you about Anglesey. I'm quite obsessed with Anglesey. I've never been. Well, no, I don't know anything about it. I've just sort of thought, what the hell is Anglesey? I've never been to Anglesey. It's only the it's the Menai Straits, right? Is that right? It's yeah, the Menai Straits correct. separated from Wales, yeah. Which is like two hundred and fifty meters. It's I mean, it's scary. It's like a river rather than an island. No, right?
1: it's actually you can't really cross. You couldn't swim it because it's got um, okay. is it swellies? So they're like the whirlpools that that are under the surface of the water. Okay. So it will pull you under. Um the University of Bangor on the mainland is really brilliant for marine biology degrees because it's so biodiverse. So okay. there's like more eels and octopodi, whatever the what fuck you call them, octopuses. Um, there's yeah. loads of really exciting stuff in the Straits. There's two bridges onto the island. Um, there's that 70,000 people who live here. It's the okay. t- uh, second highest proportion of first language Welsh speakers in Wales. So, yeah. That's
0: well, I read on Wikipedia in 1901, uh, this is just from memory, it was 91% Welsh speakers and now it's 52% Welsh Welsh speakers. But I think 9% of people can speak Welsh. But it was ninety-one percent to fifty-two percent of people who speak Welsh as their primary language. Yeah. I think so. It's still pretty high, mm. but you know, the people in nineteen oh-one would be disappointed with <laughs> they you. They
1: would. That's all um, I'm saying. Well, I I think what happened in that period is um, caravans. Um, because it's, <laughs> it's an absolute hot spot for people from liverpool or manchester have usually had yeah. childhood holidays over here it's really beautiful and most people have been here what should
0: i go and see if i came to anglesey what's the what's the the main tourist attractions
1: okay right okay so the things i would send you to see are the yep. place with a long name okay you'll be very into that okay that one um there's a really beautiful national trust, um, like house, um, called Plas Newydd. There's an absolutely fucking oh, you should go and see this. It's on the mainland. It's called um, hold on, Ca- uh, what the fuck is it? Penryn Castle now. This is made by the Penryn family, and it's a neo-Norman castle. It's national trust as well. So it's basically some rich fucking millionaire from back in the day who was like, yeah, I want to build a Norman castle, but one I can live in. Um, And fascinating, if you go around it, if you're a national trust member, which I am, um, there's barely any volunteers, and it's because years ago the Penryn family fucked over the local slate mines in Bethesda, and they really... They, they like really treated the workers badly. And that ill feeling has settled down generations. And it means the only people who volunteer there really are English people. And um, it's fascinating. And also there was loads of like, they were really bad for slavery. They made their money off sugar as well and slavery. And they kept, they impounded loads of the um letters that that's the the people who were enslaved had sent. And so, and they normally people burned them and eradicated them, but they kept them. So there's now this huge bit of history being uncovered um, of people sort of telling their story of being an enslaved person um, in their own words, which you've never had before because everyone's just hidden it. So that's quite exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. And Pili Palace, which is. Um, when
0: you say. Oh. Uh, I was going to say, when you say it's on the mainland, is that not. Is Anglesey the mainland and there's other oh, islands around it? Or you no. mean it's on. Where, it's in Wales? I mean, it's Wales. on
1: where, it's, a, it's Bangor. Well, I don't.
0: No, I'm not going there. I'm not going to Bangor. I've been to Bangor. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, fine. Uh, I'm Pretty
0: sure I've been to Bangor. I it was, was soke. I didn't realize I was that close.
1: Yeah, it's really close. It's just there's yeah. two bridges. You should see. Uh, you should go over the old bridge and um, the Thomas Telford one suspension bridge. It's very nice.
0: Who is your favorite celebrity from the island of Anglesey?
1: Um, Dawn French.
0: Yeah, she was born there. That's why. That's my main. One. That's the main one.
1: <laughs> and you know, Kate and Will's lived here for a while. Um, I do
0: know that. What about my favorite one? Is Sefnin the medieval court poet? That's my favorite (laughs) uh, Anglesey resident. I think if I could bring any Anglesey person back to life, it would be him. (laughs) Love his poems, good stuff. (laughs) Old Sefnin, (laughs) um, and I would go and see um Paris. Paris Mountain. Oh God. There's a copper mine.
1: It's absolute shithole. Um, it? and okay. There's an Anglesey edition of Monopoly, and it's the one of the brown squares on it. <laughs> yeah, genuinely. And the the Park Lane, the, is it, blue one, the blue purple square, yeah. is uh, just because there isn't loads on Anglesey. Is Menai Bridge Waitrose? That's what's <song. laughs> It's so cute.
0: Wow! There's been a copper mine on Paris Mountain since the Bronze Age.
1: Oh yes, that's nice. well. You
0: know that sounds pretty good. Uh, I don't want to. Tell, I don't want to splain you. This is just stuff I picked. There's King Arthur's Seat is on Anglesey. You've been to King Arthur's Seat?
1: Uh, no, I mean it's a legend, isn't it? that King Arthur knocked yeah. around this bit, but yeah. Okay, all right.
0: That's all I wanted to know. Did you, <laughs> so you you weren't born in Anglesey, but you grew up on you were on a farm. You grew up on a farm in Anglesey. Yeah, basically it's this this very farm.
1: This very farm. Yeah. So yeah. I was eight months old when I moved here.
0: Okay, and this is all I, I, I remember. That, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it, I think I saw an interview where you're talking about because um, you obviously got a propensity for quite dark subjects in your comedy or serious subjects in your comedy, and you're interested in serial killers. And I think your shows—I was just hearing you talk to Chris Evans before the, before we started. It was about uh,
1: non-offending, uh, ped- pedophiles. <laughs>
0: non-offending pedophiles,
1: non-offending pedophiles, or, the, or the
0: Welsh, the Welsh <laughs> population, as we call them here. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm joking, of course. Wales, I love, I love the Welsh. Uh, and uh, is is that being brought up on a farm? You have to see some pretty uh, from a young age. You're seeing some pretty dark stuff, I guess. If you're, if you're, if it's a, I'm assuming it's a farm where you've got animals and
1: yeah, I grew up slaughtering with sheep and cattle. And yeah. I guess I didn't realize how much horrific stuff I was uh not not like bore witness to i guess rather than like subjected to so stuff i would talk about thinking it was completely normal and then the children around me would be crying um but it's because like (laughs) farm life is very hard and nature is quite cruel so i remember coming in telling everyone about um so sometimes when um a sheep a, a ewe has too many lambs um so she's got four and you think well she can do a really good job of three and another you, as, uh, as lambs have died, what you'll do is you'll take one of the dead lambs, you'll skin it, and then you take one of the other lambs and you put it in the little lamb jacket... So she smells it and thinks it's her one and then adopts it and brings it up. And then eventually it sort of hulks out the dead skin. And I remember telling people this when I was like sort of eight or nine. I was like, it's so good. And then my dad skins it. And everyone was like, ah! (laughs) It's like some heartwarming Easter tale. But like when you see all that kind of stuff and you see a lot, you know, you see dead animals and you see animals brought back from the brink. And my mom was amazing. like Because she was the farmer and she basically did lots of sort of like Rudimentary surgery, not in a weird way. She wasn't sewing stuff together, um, <laughs> but I mean, you know, I it saw her like because there's um adders around where we are, and they would sort of uh bite the sheep's faces if they, you know, I got too close. So I would watch her like I just sit there and watch her like irrigate wounds on a on a sheep's face, and you know, like I've got a scar here that she just sewed up because she had like you know one of those curly things. So she would do it on the sheep and sew them <laughs> back together and stuff. So like. I yeah. I watched I watched my mum fix a sheep's prolapse with some baling twine. Like you just yeah. you see all this stuff and you just think it's totally normal because you think everyone else has that childhood. And then you go to play at other people's yeah. house and you're like, they have a swimming pool and their dad's a lawyer. Everything's a bit different here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so if I was going to make a human centipede, mm-hmm. your mum would be a great person to help me out with that. Absolutely, with that and she's together. got that
1: sort of like, um, you know, that sort of. Uh, the reserves that women had during wars where they know when to keep their mouth shut and just sort of crack on. She's like, yeah. that's why if you're like, mum, I really need you to just sew some people together. She'll be like, <laughs> okay, fine. Make sure your father feeds the dogs. She's incredible.
0: Okay. <laughs> uh, that's interesting. And uh, do, do you think that is, is is that is that, was that just a journalist thing of that, of seeing those things is why you've been in, more interested in that kind of dark side of, of comedy or do you think it's... No,
1: I think it's more, I like... Growing up, there were always books in the house about ghosts and weird animals and uh like cryptozoology and things like that and like i was my brother who's here now used to religiously read hound of the baskervilles to me and i was terrified of it and i <laughs> uh, and i used to listen to books on tape i'd listen to alfred hitchcock did a kid series called the three investigators or certainly his name was put to it where they would solve mysteries and they were quite creepy i used to listen to that as a book on tape um uh The Lost World, which is about dinosaurs, Frankenstein and Dracula. And so like I was just immersed in pretty scary stuff. And I think that kind of fear, that's what I get really excited about. Like the darker thing. And then once your barometer's off, you don't know what's dark. Like so many times with the sketch group, people are like, It's really dark, and you're like, Fucking hell, the stuff we should see, the stuff we threw away then, because this was this is just trying to be lighthearted and accessible. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and do you think uh, because obviously comedy's changed a lot in the last decade and that kind of darker side of comedy and i know and i know that uh, certainly in all killer no filler you're kind of you are covering those dark subjects uh and in a in a forward-looking way i think but is is it has it become more difficult to do that dark comedy as tastes have become like a little bit more Uh, reserved i suppose about stuff like that
1: yeah that's interesting um i think we really have generally the benefit with with all killer is that when we're being irreverent about dark subjects they are usually coming at it with the backstory of sort of 50 hours of listening to us being empathetic so you can be a bit like you know you can be contrary because you have kind of earned it yeah um and i i definitely think um we noticed it a bit with games that audiences were being sort of more, uh, yeah, I guess not sensitive is not the right word. They were just, um, they were suddenly going, is this all right to laugh at? And we work so hard on making sure that we are always coming down solidly on the right side. Like I think it's fine to, you know, play with those edges and push the boundaries. But if someone says, calls you out on a joke, you should always be able to have the courage of your conviction to, to say, no, no, we, I promise you we've thought about this. Or similarly, if it's about a group of people, say, if that group of people are in the room, you should still feel comfortable doing it, is what I always think. Yeah. Um, and I think now audiences ha- are having that conversation with themselves. So I think if you're being rigorous about your approach to writing comedy and what subjects you cover, I think it's fine. Yeah. Does it, how yeah. do you feel about that?
0: I mean, I've, you know, because like I look back at it, the stuff I was doing in the noughties was, you know, was everyone was pushing things as far as they could really and there's definitely been a you know but i think i but always even in the 90s uh we were still we would always discuss the repercussions of all our jokes and what and what what the point of them was and uh you know so i don't i think that i think i can pretty much defend nearly everything <laughs> that i've ever done uh as not just necessarily gratuitous or it's if it's gratuitous it's the gratuity of it that is is part of it, you know. I think when I think the thing that's changed is now things get taken out of context a lot more mm. readily and a lot more easily. Uh, and because of social media, you know, just uh, even like this, you know, just um, there's a thing that came up this week, right? So, there's a group of people on uh Twitter who, because one day I tweeted, uh, it was when Sam Smith uh came out saying they wanted to be you, the pronouns, and I just said, surely just it's polite to call people by whatever they want to be called. You would just do that. There's a course of action. So there's, yeah. and then a, a lot of, uh, you know, Graham Linden uh, oh, type yeah. people, including Graham Linden, uh, got in touch to tell me that was wrong and that that would mean people were raping people in toilets if we started doing that. Uh, and so I didn't, um, I, was, I replied to two people and then there was this avalanche of people and I stopped replying to anyone. Because I just thought it's not, I'm, it's not worth it. I don't like yeah. these people. I don't like where they're coming from. Uh, I wasn't, you know, I, 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 I could understand both arguments at that point, and I had some sympathy for, uh, for some of the feminist arguments uh, that uh, that are, uh, I, I did have at that point. But actually, these people made me think, no, you can all go fuck off. I yeah. don't care about anything you guys say because <laughs> the way they, the, the way they came in was just awful. But I stopped uh, replying to anyone. But then someone said within that conversation, Richard Herring has replied to all the men who've posted and none of the women. And, and so I responded to two people and I don't know where, what sex they were. I hadn't checked that. Um, but that you know I just had stopped replying very quickly. And then even now, someone put me in a list of people uh, who will not, not reply to women about subjects and only reply to men. So this week on Twitter, I picked that person up and said, you know, this isn't in any way true but the way that like something taken out of context and something that's stated by someone, because even Graham Renner was going, Rich, why are you just, why are you applying to the women and not the men? And then I couldn't reply to him anyway, because he was a man. So if I'd replied to him, he would have have just, (laughs) but I wasn't doing that, but I couldn't say to him, that's not what I I didn't do that because that would have proved him right. But you know, it was was amazing how that amongst some people, that is that there's a fact about me, that i am a, 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 that i'm an anti-feminist because i won't mm. i will only respond to men and not women which if you know i don't think you if you looked at my twitter feed would bear up any, even as a regular thing but you know that's if you take one joke if you make one joke and you could take a joke from a show i did in 2007 and put that on twitter and people would go oh god you know
2: mm.
0: but within the context of the show it it would work as a you know it worked as the journey of the character of Richard herring within that show, so yeah I mean I think things have changed in that way, but I think yeah I would hope you can still um and I still think for most people i don't I think most the vast majority of people don't actually give a fuck, which isn't a isn't a positive thing but most people I think are still bamboozled by most of these these arguments about this but um yeah I mean i think I think it's that if you are confident that you understand why the the target of your joke and what it is. And in, in my case, it's nearly always myself. Um, then then it, it's sort of fine. But yeah, it is. It is a weird thing. I'm glad that I'm glad that it, that um, dark humour has not been ruled out. And that you know, the, for example, that thing we started talking about—the uh, hungover, or pregnant sketch, sort um, short film. You know, like you say, some people go, "Well, oh, there's period blood in there. Is that too yeah. offensive?" And you know, it's it's the opposite of that, isn't it? It's it's actually. It's the, the minute you you said that you kind of go, yeah, that is weird that people would would not not want you to, to have that. Yeah, it's detail. mad, isn't it? Yeah, so you know that's so that's you 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 can't take into account every single criticism you get of something. You've got it's, it's got to come from your own from your own viewpoint. But yeah, it's I mean I've over the thirty years I've worked, obviously, I've seen a lot of changes in. In what is acceptable and unacceptable in comedy, but I think a lot of the stuff in the '90s that would now people look back at and go, "That was awful." I felt quite, I felt I was seeing other people doing those things and feeling quite uncomfortable about it at the time. So I think that's probably why I can still work now because I didn't, I didn't, didn't, I didn't really enjoy stand up in, in the the you know the male dominated laddish uh, stand up of the '90s. I kind of felt really embarrassed about. Um, and I don't, you know, and I think me and Stu sort of largely, even though we were in loaded and things occasionally, but we were always embarrassed when we were, <laughs> 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 like, not like, "Hooray, we're loaded." Um,
1: <laughs> but also, we, we... don't we all like the thing? I think is important is, um, like, don't we reserve the right to grow and change as people? Like, I definitely wouldn't yeah. understand. I'm sure if someone. Um, went through my Twitter, there'd be stuff that I'd be like, that is fucking horrific. I don't know why I thought that was funny. That's me being sure. some, like, you know, edgy 23-year-old. Like, what? what yeah, I'm of course, of and, and, and it's the whole thing of, like, l- l- especially when you're taking tweets from someone's history and, and being like, they they use this word. Uh, well, so, like, they always, I mean, they're arseholes who do it. But, yeah, Mary Black, the brilliant MP, they'll be like, oh, look what she said, but maths was a cunt. Like, oh, she's foul-mouthed and she's stupid and all this kind of stuff. And be like, but look at her actions. She's an incredible MP. She's impassioned. She like yeah. You don't get to dismiss her body of work because you managed to find one tweet where she doesn't come over brilliantly if you're going to be a pious yeah. arsehole. So, like, look at what people are doing and what they're putting out in the world. And not just what they're saying, like, what are they doing? Like,
2: yeah.
1: The, and, and if, well, like, with you, like, with your when you do on November nineteenth, that is such a fucking thankless ball-like thing to do to raise money for Refuge, and like if you're going to take away from that that you don't care about women, like
2: yeah. that's
1: not that's an agenda that someone's bringing to the table that just isn't isn't true.
0: Yeah, well, you know, it's it, but it's it's sort of interesting to see all that stuff. But yeah, absolutely right, and I I really hate I hate the idea of anyone making a mistake so bad that there is no you know i mean unless it's you know driving a bus through a schoolyard or something. but you know there's there's no way back from you know to set to have an opinion and then what do you want if if someone there's this idea that people are hypocritical if they then change their mind Mm -hmm. but that's surely what you want you want them to change their mind and so you're digging up all this old stuff it's it's fascinating and i think that's what has changed i suppose in comedy is just that everything's on record um, and, yeah, thankfully, most of the stuff I did uh, as a teenager or a, a younger in my 20s is, you know, is not accessible to
2: anyone. So, <laughs> the
0: terrible, the terrible mistakes you make, you know, but I think, that's, you know, if basically we would write a diary. You know, if my diary I did, I've read bits of my diary out in shows in Headmaster's Son. And, uh, yeah. you know, there's a lot of awful stuff in there. That I wouldn't like people to think oh vegetarian beliefs that. Um, but anyway, yeah, it's 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 interesting. But I'm glad, you know, Keith, I hope uh, I can't see comedians changing that much that there won't be a dark streak. You know, com- or uh, most comedians have at least a dark streak in them of the jokes they'll tell backstage if they don't tell them on stage. Totally. And it's and I think there's it's it's about whether you trust the person, I suppose the audience has to trust you. And if they do trust you, you can sort of say anything you want because they know where you, you have that complicity of friends that you can do jokes that you do with your friends with an audience if the audience trusts you in, in that way that they know that you're coming from the right place, if you're employing irony or if you're just or if you're just pushing things into a dark place to to you know, because it because a lot of comedy is surely about um that release valve of the world is an awful, awful place. Let's joke about the awful yeah. things that happen so that we feel a bit better about it, as well, as well as let's joke about nonsense in order to cheer ourselves up while we're in this, in these awful <laughs> situations. Yeah. Um, anyway, look, we've, we've we've it's been so much fun talking to you. We've gone on for ages already. Sorry, it's I'm gone by in a welcome. it's gone by in a flash. Congratulations on the Carolina Hearn bursary, which yeah. you got this year. Yeah. That was fantastic. I was very glad to see that. Uh, it's a lovely uh, thing to get. I'll
1: be honest. A new. I've pitched a Go few on. ideas. A little bit dark for them.
0: <laughs> oh, you... <laughs> well. Caroline was had, had a very dark streak to her and a wicked streak to her. So I think uh, I think she would appreciate it. Um. It's uh. So well, well, we'll we'll carry on seeing you at the COVID Arms for however long this goes on. I presume we'll see.
1: Yeah, we'll um... <laughs> see. <laughs> and then one day maybe we'll all get to do a gig again. That'd be nice. Yeah. Right?
0: And so, hopefully, your tour might might be back in the autumn or the spring. Or it's
1: all, it's been moved. It's been moved to the autumn. Yeah. So it's it's on my website if you wanted to come and see me or the research scheduled dates. Um, but we'll just see what happens. I can't. I mean, yeah. I can't wait to start kicking again. But you know, in the meantime, yeah. there's <laughs> the cover arms. <laughs> thank you for Good. having me. I really appreciate it. No,
0: it's been really great fun. Uh, thank you so much for doing it. Good luck with everything, and I hope we all get out through get out the other side alive. Uh, that's the main thing. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Kiri Pritchard-McLean, thank you very much. Uh, see us next week for Richard Osman. Thank you for watching. I'll put the outro on now. Goodbye. See you, everyone. You have been listening to Rahalastapa with me, Richard Terring, and my guest, Kiri Pritchard-McLean. Or McLean, you choose. The music is by Pest, of course. We all know that. We do not need to be reminded of that every single fucking week. What's your problem? Um, the, <laughs> the I would. <laughs> I'm having a breakdown. What's your problem? Uh, the I would like to thank um, Rahalastapa.co.uk for their very fantastic help in, um, in helping me research guests that have been on before, like Kiri i would like to thank chris evans not that one who's done phenomenal work over this period in keeping this show going and getting it all loaded up hardly hardly, you know, hardly makes more than one mistake a week putting up the video so you know we should respect him for that i would like to thank my wife uh, katie wilkins for being fantastic um i am indebted to my executive producer who's called nick yankovic we called him weird nick yankovic on set that's what we called him during the recording this because it's like weird Al Yankovic I mean he might even be pronounced Yankovic it's Yankovec but it still works as a pun it's a good one and that and he also he was a bit weird so it worked on two levels Uh, thank you to Ben Walker as well of course for all the work he's done on this series this is a fuzz, gofastestripe.com and sky potato production. We hope you've enjoyed it. Please go to gofastestripe.com slash badges become a badger. Go to twitch.tv slash RKHerring to watch more content. Go to uk. and if you're a member and a badger, you can get all those secret videos. And there's a new good one up there that's very exciting. Thanks for watching and or listening and or it, you are only listening because this doesn't go out on the video bit. Goodbye, I am a robot. Goodbye. I have gone
2: insane. (laughs) It had to happen. Goodbye.